Hello, so this is Judy Barkoviak from NLP and EFT Kids um, with the second part of this um, uh, podcast about uh, the logical levels of change. Um, so the first level that we're going to look at is the environment. It's where we do what we do, you know, where we live, our cultural sort of situation, our family situation. It's everything that's sort of pretty difficult to change on the whole. Um, it's sort of basically, um, you know, it's where we do what we do. So think about your environment. How does it affect you, what you do, the choices you make, the expectations people have of you? Think about what you watch on TV, the sort of video games you play, the celebrities you follow, uh, the, the magazines, the books you read, the, you know, all of the sort of things that you, that affect you on a day-to-day basis, the sort of influences, if you like, you know, whether your parents sort of work or don't work, how they work, whether they work shifts, what industry they work in, you know, children whose parents are working in the NHS have been incredibly stressed by that, very worried about, uh, very worried about them, very proud of them, of course, but it has had an effect on them, um, you know, worrying about uh, whether they'll be okay. Um, your environment might also be very much more home-based as a result of the pandemic, as opposed to spending all day every day at school. And of course, that environment is to- to- constantly changing. You don't know whether you might suddenly have to self-isolate or not, whether you whether you can go to work or not, uh, whether you've even got a job or not. So your environment at the moment may be very um, up for sort of a change, for insecurity, for uncertainty, for mistrust, you know, in the sort of information that you're getting. Um, uh, It can change all the time. Uh, and also, many for many people who perhaps where their environment is very much included, perhaps, um, and that older relative who may look after the children um, on quite a regular basis, that that may not be the case. Um, so that's going to have an impact too, because children very much um, rely and have relationships with their grandparents, um, and especially if they are involved in their childcare. So the environment is where we do what we do. And sometimes, um, you know, say if a child has um, difficulty with their homework, uh, which a lot of children do, again, they need to look at if if they want to change in that respect, look at where they do their homework. I've had children who've been encouraged by their parents to do their homework, like in a main room in the sort of, you know, kitchen, breakfast room, um, you know, the sort of lounge or somewhere where a parent can keep an eye on them. But actually, they find that quite distracting environment. And depending on whether they're visual, auditory or kinesthetic, uh, they can actually find it much harder to work there. And maybe a parent says, well, I don't trust you if you do it in your bedroom. But actually, that might be the best place for them. So think about where they do what they do. Um, and also the environment to some extent is the group of friends that they have. You know, how is that affecting them? 
Um, so the environment look at what's going on around them physically and emotionally, mentally, and so on. How can you look at that and think what changes can we make in their environment or, or that they want to make in their environment that will help them to, um, to change uh, what's going on there? Okay, so look also at the next level up, which is about sort of behavior because, you know, what do they actually do? You know, is there an order to doing things? Do they need to have a snack while they're doing their homework, a glass of milk, some water? Do they need to move around before they do their homework? Do they need to have a run around the garden or, you know, whatever? Is it just too much to go from sort of sitting at school all day to come back and sitting doing homework? Could they do things differently? Is there some change that could be made about what they do um, would they find it more helpful to do it at a different time? Um, I mean, certainly my children used to uh, quite often do their homework in the morning. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had friends who said, what in the morning? It's, you know, it's far too busy in the morning and so on. But actually, um, for mine, they were very sporty, which is not too surprising because uh, myself and my husband are very sporty. Um, we have sporting families. I, I grew up in a, a very sporty family. Um, and so they used to have after school sports activities, pra team practices, uh, do sporting stuff after school. So they'd often not get back until sort of, you know, half past five, six o'clock. Then they were absolutely starving, of course. And uh, the last thing they wanted to do was sit and do homework. I mean, they just really needed to chill. So that was the worst possible time for doing homework. So I used to let them do that um, and, uh, and chill before they went to bed. So they got a good night's sleep. But the homework books were usually sort of scattered around the table in the morning sort of while they were doing their homework um, having breakfast so just think about you know how what we actually do does it work you know when parents say to me oh I say, tell them every night you know brush your teeth or go to bed or put that away or whatever you know if what you're doing doesn't work do something different you know look at what other things you can do choice is such a powerful thing. What choices do you have? What options do you have? What options do they have? Who needs to make the decision? What are what are the possible decisions that could, could happen? Could you do something differently that will make a change in that area to make life easier for yourself? So look at sort of behavior, what you do, and what could you do differently? Then the next level up is the skills. What skills and abilities do you have? What are they good at? You know, what are they good at? Um, are they good at remembering things? Are they good at looking things up on the internet? Are they good at um, creating, you know, writing good stories? Are they good at working through difficult sort of equations and mathematical things? Do they have a real thirst for knowledge and an interest in di different geographical areas, different periods of history? You know, what are what are their skills? What can they do really well? Can they communicate well? Are they very good at understanding other people's feelings? Are they good at sort of um, persuading people to do things that they don't want to do? I mean, I, 
one of my children is extremely good at that and how she how she does it I really will have to model because you can sort of say no to a thing or uh, and actually by the time she's finished sort of you know talking you around you really think well yes actually she's got a really good point there I, I feel that she could sort of negotiate herself out of any situation um, and that's a great skill so look at the skills. How, what skills do they have? How can you help them find those skills and develop them? Uh, notice what they're good at. I find a lot of parents uh, find it quite easy to notice what's not right, what's not going well, and to be critical um, and want to sort of work on the things that the children are not so good at. But actually, when we work on the things they are good at, and develop those, encourage them, uh, give them good feedback on what's going well. It makes us feel better, I think, as a parent, and also makes them feel better. And then when they can perhaps transfer that skill into an area that they're not so hot on. The next area is beliefs and values. What do they believe about it? I mean, if, if a child sits down to do the homework and thinks, I can't do this, I can't do maths, I can't write a story, I can't do this, I'm useless, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, uh, everybody else is better than me. Well, the chances are they're going to find it very difficult. That's really a very unhelpful state to be in to start your homework. Um, so, you know, having a real can-do attitude is a great thing to have. Um, also, if they have a belief that if they just sit there for long enough, you'll help them, you'll do it for them, um, and you'll tell them how to do it. Well, that's also not very helpful because it means that they're not giving themselves a chance to actually be empowered and be able to do it because they're going to feel much better about whatever mark they get um, if they actually can do it. So um, beliefs and values, really important. You know, if they're just about, if they're heading to secondary school in September, having a belief that they will make friends, that they will enjoy themselves, they will have fun um, and that they will do well um, really, really helps. Um, and they are much more likely if they've got that can-do attitude uh, about that too. Values is about what's important to you, what, uh, how you live your life, um, the values of maybe hard work, of perseverance, of determination, of confidence, of, of believing that you can do things if you just put your mind to it. You know, those sort of values are really important. The value of communication, uh, believing that you have a value, believing that you are you know, you have some self-worth and that you're worth, um, you know, you're worth them. It's important to, to express your needs and that you have a voice. A lot of children feel that they don't have a voice. They have a belief that they don't have a voice. Um, and unfortunately, they don't have a, a value that means that it's important to have one. Um, so that's really important too. The next level up is identity, who you are which I covered in part one of this, is actually knowing who you are, believing that you can love and accept yourself as you are, regardless of other people around you who you might look at and think, 
oh, I wish I was like them. Um, a lot of uh, teens do that and they all oh, wish I had hair like that or skin like that or eyes like that or body like that. But actually to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I love you as you are. You know, I am good enough. Um, I'm good enough as I am. I don't need to be any better. Um, I'm good enough. I'm acceptable. I'm lovable. Um, and I'm, you know, it's important to love yourself as you are. Um, and that's as a parent too, not just children, of course. And, and of course, then to be the purposes at the top, uh, which is all about, you know, what your goal is um, for this exercise. Um, and of course, you can do a logical levels of change exercise on any goal you like. So once you're familiar with the exercise and the different layers um, and the different aspects, um, and you can actually, if you're a teacher listening to this, this is a great exercise to do with your class um, to sort of, they can put whatever purpose they want. It could be about a test, an exam. It could be the next school year or next term. Um, you can have, uh, as long as your goal is towards, which is something you do want um, rather than something you don't want, um, you can then set that as your goal and then work your way through who am I who can do this um, and, and so on, beliefs and values, your skills, your behavior, etc., etc. So um, this is a great exercise to do, a to do as a teacher. It's a great exercise to do as a, a coach to be able to work through with your clients, whoever your client is. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be children and teens. It can be an adult client. You know, what, what, um, how, what, what are the areas of change that you need to focus on with them that will help them to get where they want to, to go? And as a parent who I'm imagining is mostly who would be listening to this, um, just sit down with your child and just look at each of these areas. Uh, you don't have to do all of the areas in one go. You can do it as a little mini project. Um, and you can even get them to draw things. You can, you know, you can use vision boards for, for their purpose, what they want, uh, and then break it down into the different layers, as I've said. Um, and uh, what you can do is, to, if you want to learn much more about this, please read Be a Happier Parent with NLP or the NLP workbook or the self-esteem workbook. Um, all of my books have um, the uh, logical levels of change because really I suppose that's the, at the core of, um, of coaching, isn't it? And therapy is that, you know, it's because the child um, or teen isn't entirely happy with where they are now um, that we're looking at how they can change. And there's really no point in, in a child coming to me if they are not willing to consider uh, change. I mean, if they're perfectly happy as they are, and they may be, um, it may be the parent that needs to change. You know, that is something to consider is if, if things aren't going well, you know, is that something you can do differently? Um, so, you know, do use this um, model um, as a, a way to look at how you could change. I mean, in that sense, your purpose may be something like how I can um, cope with my child's 
whatever, how I can feel happier about my child's this, that or the other. Um, and then look at all the layers that you can, you know, consider where you can change to sort of align yourself. What we're really looking for here with the logical levels of change and that pyramid is that sense of, uh, you know, it's of, of direction to get every layer aligned and focused on the purpose that we have in mind. So do get in touch. Uh, my website is judybartkoviak.com. Um, uh, and I've written lots of books, um, as, as you probably know. Um, and um, I'm more than happy to uh, do a, a free 30-minute session with anybody who'd like to talk about this in a bit more detail, um, either as a way to work with clients or to work with your children or to work on yourself. So I hope that's helped.